It is time for the new Dan Vogler 4D Experience Podcast. Are you ready? Buckle in. Let's go for a ride. Now it's time for the rant of the day. I don't mean to offend. Gonna say it anyway. Hey, everybody. It's Dan Fogler, and this is the rant of the day. Oh, my goodness. The 4D Experience Podcast. What is happening with our world? Okay. My relationship with the police has been 95% negative. I would have to say... Uh, I I think about all the experiences I've ever had with the cops. I can't really find one that were that was positive. Um, now this is my you know cisgendered uh, white male uh, Brooklyn Jew point of view, which you know take it with a grain of salt. Um, but um, I have had a taste of oppression, obviously not as much as my ancestors who fleed Nazi Germany, but um, I have had a taste of anti-Semitism for sure. Um, I've been in places where people found out that I was Jewish and uh, definitely treated me differently. And it's a weird thing when, you know, the bigot can't really size you up by your skin color. So you can be halfway through a conversation with somebody and then find out they're an anti-Semite or something or, you know, racist, uh, you know, and they just assume they're, that you're on their side, which is the exact opposite, you know. That's, that's incredibly uh, awkward, you know, to be like, oh, actually, I'm Jewish. Uh, and, you know, so that... That is also um, something that I've been through. I've also been in situations where I come back and, you know, there's a swastika on, you know, something uh, that's, you know, part of my uh, property. Um, I've been in a situation where I was ganged up on uh, and I had to fight my way out because I was a Jew. Um, I've also been, you know, judged by my appearance quite a bit. You know, oftentimes I've very shaggy and my hair is uh, long and, you know, I look like a hippie, you know. I've definitely been stopped by cops um, in my own neighborhood. I was, uh, I I couldn't believe it. I was walking, I was home from college and I was uh, walking around my neighborhood looking at the old haunts and a, a, a cop car pulls up on me and starts questioning me. And he was, he was upset that I got offended. I was like, hey, hey, I, I live here, man. What are you, what are you rolling up on me for? You know, I, I, I live at 24, you know, like whatever. I gave him my address. I gave him the whole thing. And I, I was like, I, I, you know, I should be asking who you are. I, I live here my whole life. You know, and he said, I said, I'm, I'm back from college, you know, and he's, he's just thought, oh, wow, things have been different. You know, we've been patrolling around here. 
uh, you know, you, you, you don't look like you're from around here. And I was just like, well, to me, you don't look like you're from around here. How about that? And he basically followed me back until I was back in my house, three blocks. I was like, oh my God, you're going to follow me? He's like, I want to make sure you live here. And I was just like, what the fuck? It was crazy. Um, and he, um, to, now there's a reason I'm talking about all this. So you'll see in a second. And, you know, I'm giving my, my racial, you know, background, uh, discrimination resume here, but, uh, you know, there's, there's a point to this all. When I was in college, the cops were always there just to break up parties. They were always there. And, um, their terminology was <laughs> so indicative of their philosophy. They would say, this was in Boston. And if we were just sitting on it, they would say, disperse, disperse, you know, and, you know, oftentimes I was the one throwing the party and I was like, everyone's leaving, man. And they were like, they were like, yeah. and I was like, I was like, I live here. It's like, yeah, I was like, you want me to leave my stoop? You want me to walk off on my stoop? And I would always talk back to these guys because I, you know, I knew I was in my rights and I would always get these cops that would say, well, you better scrote, you better scrote. I was like, <laughs> I was like, what does that mean? Um, and I, you know, the cop terminology I, I learned was like, you better fucking tuck up your fucking scrotum right now, pal. You better fucking <laughs> tuck up your balls right now <laughs> and swallow your pride because I was supposedly an inch away from being thrown into jail. For what? For sitting on my own stoop? Like, that's what the mentality was. Um... I've obviously been very lucky in the sense that I've never, knock on wood, have uh, been thrown in jail. I've never had cuffs put on me. I got real close. Actually, did. I did. I, got, I had cuffs put on me once. Um, and um, that was such a shocking experience that I, I hardly remember it because they were on and off so quickly. Um <laughs> But I'm realizing now, if any of the people that were in that situation were black, we'd all be dead. We'd all be dead. I'm, I'm pretty sure of it. Or we would have absolutely gone to jail. Absolutely. But we didn't. When I uh, went to the Friars Club a couple times um, back in the uh, mid-2000s when I was doing Tony Award stuff and going around and there were parties there. And I got to, I got to know people there. Um, and there was a guy there, he was like the friendly uh, police officer there that was always guarding the place. And he gave me this card that was like, um, like he told me, it's a get out of jail free card. It was just like laminated card that was like part of the sergeant's, you know, benevolent, you know, society, whatever. Probably some, some you know, code, uh, you know, connected to some, you know, Freemason thing. You know, it's all, all these things these um these policers you know it, it's they're strongly encouraged to join freemasonry in order to uh excel this card and i've had and i've always had it in my wallet and it expired in 2010 but it's still gotten me <laughs> people cops see the card and they're like oh okay and they i i get off and um 
they say, oh, you know that sergeant, huh? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's uh, met him at the Friars Club. Oh, oh, he's a legend, he's a legend. So I've gotten, and I've had police, ex-police officers who were friends of my family. And, um, and they've, you know, they, they say, you know, call me, I'll get you out, don't worry about it. So I, I know that I kind of walk around with a chip on my shoulder because I could get out of these situations if I really, really had to. And I like to walk around the streets of New York smoking joints, you know, doing whatever the fuck I want because I feel like it should be illegal activity. And I was uh, doing this a couple years back. And I went to a phone booth, you know, and no one uses phone booths anymore. (laughs) But here I was in the phone booth rolling a joint. And my mother's going to love this one. And in comes... uh, the hand of the police officer, he grabs my joint, he grabs my bag of weed, he grabs, he just crushes it in his hand, and he takes from me, and I'm like, what the, oh, and he's looking at me, and um, he, I, right away, I see that he knows, he recognizes me, and he says, oh, give me your, give me your information, so I give him my passport, which was what I had on me, and I, and I gave him, thank God I had that police card from the Sergeant's uh, Benevolent Society. I slipped that in there, and, uh, and, I, and I handed it to him. I'm standing outside there, and now there's a crowd forming around me. Oh, my God, it's the guy from Balls of Fury, holy shit. Okay? So I'm like, oh, my God, this is, this is fucking, this is brilliant. They're going to throw me in jail. So it literally, I'm not even shitting you. Three minutes later, the guy walks out of the car. He hands my passport back to me with the joint and the ganja, all my bag of ganja, all rolled up in the passport. And he walks up to me. He says, "Here, Paul's a fury." I go, "Uh huh." He goes, "Uh, you know, if you're gonna roll a joint, don't use those phone boots." So now he's giving me tips <laughs> about about how not to. So now, so how not to get caught, you know? He's telling me, you know, we look for people rolling joints in the phone booths. Don't, don't roll your joints in the phone booth. And uh, he's like, you're lucky, you know, this is five minutes away from being legalized. You're lucky you're the guy from Balls of Fury. You're lucky you had this card. Otherwise, you'd be in jail right now. And I, I said, thank you, officer. I realized that. Um, when he reached his hand in and grabbed my shit I was going to swing around and punch him because I thought it was a guy stealing my shit that's how invasive it was he reached over my shoulder and grabbed my shit that invasiveness even though I got out of that at in a relatively smoothly smooth fashion that situation it just gave me it just showed me how much privilege I had you know, and that I could walk around looking like a fucking <laughs> schlubby, half homeless guy smoking joints, and I'm not gonna have the problem that other people have. I go to the TSA. I obviously have a problem with the TSA. I can't do pat downs anymore. I can't have their fucking hands on me, groping me, frisking me. I can't do it anymore. Now I. I go insane just with the few times I've had to deal with that, which is, let's say about, 
I've ha- probably had about 20 pat-downs in my life because I've opted out because I've traveled so much. All of them have been horrible. That's not true. Uh, let's say 15 of them have been horrible. Five of them have been normal pat-downs. And all five of those were people that recognized me. So they, become, they became awkward because there was always someone with their hand in my crotch who looked up at me and said, Hey, you're Zach Galifianakis, aren't you? And I say, well, well, I would say, yes, um, I am Zach Galifianakis. Now, did you figure that out from my beard or my inseam? And that is always, that always gets a laugh. Um, but every time it's totally invasive and totally disgusting. Now, here's my point. If I had to fucking deal with that kind of shit on an everyday fucking basis where I can't walk down the street looking like myself, I can't walk down the street without someone rolling up, putting their hands on me and jostling me, hoping that I, that I fight back. I, if that happened to me every single day, if I, well, let's not say every single day, but let's say once, once a month. <laughs> oh, if that happened to me once a month, uh, I would not be a happy camper. If that happened to my friends, if I heard that happening to my friends all the time, I would start to think that the system was rigged against me, that there was, that there must, it must be what I, must be the way I look. It must be something I'm doing. Like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm just trying to live my life. Um, I'm just trying to, to walk down the street. I'm just trying to get from point A to point B. And they all have to put their fucking hands on you. So I, I, I understand the concept of quotas. And I always thought that they applied to, um, you know, traffic lights. I always thought they applied to speeding tickets. Um, which seems kind of innocent. And supposedly they got rid of this shit in New York. But I'm watching this documentary called Crime Plus Punishment. I really, I really think that everyone should watch it to get a sense of what the um, economy is that, uh, that makes up the infrastructure of the police institution. Um, there is an economy, uh, and it's illegal. There, it's illegal to set quotas because then you're not keeping the peace because... If you have a quota for a stop and frisk situation where you're looking, you're not looking for crime, you're looking to pin crime on people. And because you're, the incentive is you're going to lose your job if you don't, asshole. If you don't bring in this many fucking arrests this month, you're going to, you, you know, you, your pay gets docked or, you, you know, you, you get put on the fucking shit list. How is... <laughs> That, that's, that's not protecting the people. That's not keeping the peace. That's harassing the public. That's like uh, what, what mobsters do when they go to you know, shake someone up. 
planting evidence. And then these people get arrested over and over and over and over again. And all of the cases get dismissed. But because they have a police record, it, they're, they're in the system, man. They're just part of it now. So the next time or the next time that they go in front of a judge and the judge looks down and says, what, haven't I seen you fucking a million times here? That's it. There is no justice. They go straight to jail. And then this innocent person who has, who has, who has been judged by the content of their, by, by, the, by their skin color and not the, the content of their character is totally set up. And their life is ruined. These cops, they, they don't know. They're not, they're trained to do that. They're trained to bring in the arrests. They're trained to get people spending their money on the system. Bailing people out. This is what they're taught. There aren't any cops out there anymore. Who have been taught in the last five years, 10 years, how to de-escalate. They're taught to escalate because it only, it only makes people money. It's a business. So when they're talking about defunding the police, I, I, I think that, oh, I hope that they're talking about re, um, reforming reforming the police right i i i have to get the i I don't i'm not educated enough on the subject but i hope that they go after that issue these the quota issue the systematic uh infection the systematic infection that has turned law and order into a business and until, until that's totally, you know, shaken up and reformed and, you know, then there is no justice for anybody. When I was in high school, I saw, you know, we had the L.A. riots, of course. And we saw, I saw a do the right thing. Uh, Malcolm X. I saw... Um, Boys in the Hood. I saw these films and they hit me like a fucking you know, do the right thing. I mean that's that's Brooklyn. I mean that's that's where I grew up. And just hit me like a lightning bolt. Um you know I I'm I I so many times was that guy with the not the uh, you know uh with the Celtics jacket, you know, in that movie. Not that I'm a Celtics fan, but, you know. I've been in the mix where it's, you know what you're talking about? I live in Brooklyn my whole life. You know, I'm part of this. I'm, 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 I'm part of... I'm part of the melting pot, you know. And I remember seeing... I'm see, I remember seeing Boys in the Hood... And I remember coming home and questioning my parents, you know, how come there's no black people in our neighborhood, you know? I mean, why do we, why is it funny to, to laugh, you know, at uh, old Yiddish, uh, you know, Schwarze 
you know, jokes or something like that, you know. Um, Mel Brooks humor. You know, I just saw recently Blazing Saddles was, it was trending. I didn't really look at it, but I knew Mel Brooks was going to be brought up at some point. Um, I feel like, but Brooks, I don't know. I, you know, there's, Brooks was always saying that we're all on the same side. It's that there's that famous scene in Blazing Saddles where, where um, uh, Mel Brooks rides up himself as the chieftain, the uh, the Native American chief, and he they circle <laughs> they circle the um, the wagon, the one wagon. <laughs> they, they look inside, and it's the it's the black family, and they and he says Schwarzes. Laws them gain, which means let them go, which means that we're all family here. And, um, but still, Schwarzer, you know? But, and as a kid, I was always just like, whoa, Schwarzer means black person? What does Schwarzenegger mean? Uh, so I've always been curious about Arnie's the meaning of um, yeah but is it okay to laugh at that humor is it okay to you know is it okay and so it, I came home and I basically grilled my parents on where do we stand on all this and we have to be better you know and I, and I think that sparked a real interest in making ourselves um, anti-racist. You know, I remember I was in high school and we, I, we, keep, we started this thing called the Anti-Bias Coalition. And, and I, I, I feel like I've been dealing with these subjects for years. This, this problem of racism and trying to get to the bottom of it. And obviously there is a problem with, there's, there's a problem um, with um, cliques, you know, people wanting to be connected to their own, um, what's familiar. And that makes sense. But when does, when does violence come into it? That's when you take something that is a problem and you turn it into um, a weapon. And when you add to the problem by, you know, systematically targeting people of color, like it's, you know, basically using the police as a, as a lynch mob, um, then, then, yeah, that has, that's, that's gotta be overhauled. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we had some sort of league, some sort of league of, of justice, a justice league, and that you, you could have someone like, oh, I don't know, like a, like Cyborg, you know, a one-man army who is super intelligent with a conscience and a heart of gold, but the power to, to, to quell a riot if it breaks out and then turn it into a peaceful demonstration.
I wish we had someone like that in real life to talk to. We don't, but until then, maybe we can glean some wisdom from Carrie Payton. Carrie? Hello, this is Carrie. Check, one, two. You, Carrie? Daniel Fogler, as I live and breathe. How are you these days, sir? I may have been, I don't don't need to be... uh, Presumptuous is it, it is it is Dan short for Daniel or is it Danforth or Dan Daniel Danieler or something I haven't heard of before? I, I I feel like I'm I'm talking out of school here. Uh, the full name is Danger. <laughs> Danger. Oh my yeah. God. You know what? This, this is why I ask the question because I get answers like this that change me for the better. Literally changed me for the better. Danger, Kevin Vogler. Danger. No, it's yeah, no, it's Daniel. It's definitely Daniel. You know, now that we're now that we're talking about names here, we should definitely talk about your name. You have the most prophetic name that I've ever had on the show. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, it's kind of it. It is pretty weird. Uh, my my uh, my mom read my name in a book when she was 16 years old, I think. And uh, and uh, it's uh, Kari, of course, K H A R Y. And and the and the uh, definition of, of the name in the book that she read. You know what? This is crazy. I'm, I'm almost uh, 50 years old, and I don't know the book that my mom uh, got, got the name out of. I just know that she got it out of a book. I have to ask her about that. But uh, but Cardi means littlest king, littlest king. And um, and uh, I always thought it was, you know, a cool name. Actually, that's not true. For a long time, people would uh, mispronounce my name over and over again. And... Um, and so I would uh I hated it for a while and I, I really just wanted to be called Tony for the longest. But uh eventually I came to love the name Kari and uh and and wondered what it really meant, you know, like in my life. And uh a little bit I know it would take me being a part of the Walking Dead to find out uh what this little king, you know, moniker really meant. So so I have King Ezekiel to thank for that. What's crazy is I didn't know about the little part. All I all I got because I look up everybody's names, you know, to figure out what their the true poem uh-huh. of their name is, you know. And yeah. so, so I got I didn't get Little King. I got Kingly, Kingly, Carrie, Kari means Kingly. Well, you know what? Yeah. It's so funny. It's so funny because because uh, when when I. I would run into uh, people from um, who were from North Africa uh, and uh, or um, middle North Africa, and, and they would ask me, "Do I know what the name means?" Uh, there, there were a couple of guys, like in a matter of weeks, who asked me, "You know, do, do I know what that name means?" And, uh, and I said, um, "I said, yeah, it means little king." And, and they said, "No, it means you bring a crown to your family." And I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, then I got that." 
And then uh, another guy, uh, and uh, I feel like these guys must have been cousins or something because he was like, no, 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 it means you bring good luck to your family, good fortune, you know. And so, so, I, was, and so, I, so I have a few different definitions of of, uh, of Kari, but they all sort of go along that kingly reservoir. Yeah. Do you know what Peyton means? I do not. I do not know. Okay. okay. This is it this means you're gonna you little discussion with. Okay. You, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna flip out, man. Your name, Peyton, means town of warriors, warrior town. Your name is Kingly Warrior Town. <laughs> King Ezekiel, Alexandria. Yes. I'm not fuck. It means warrior town. Dude, I just had. Okay. You know, Paola uh, Lazaro, she yeah. plays princess. Yeah, yeah. Her name means, her yeah. name is Little Lazarus. Little Lazarus. That's her name. Lazarus rose from the dead. And I was like, what is your career? Yeah. You know, she's rising from the dead. You, the, um, and your name is even more prophetic. Kingly warrior town? That is, what the fuck? That is the craziest shit. I did not know that. I did not know that. Yeah, I, I, no love, I love. I had no idea. I love revealing that to people. I mean, I have a lot of emotions about it, man, because I. Uh, huh. You know, because because my my uh, you know my 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 given name my my uh, my last name is um is like it's not. It's not the the name of of my of my African heritage, you know. So it's so it's uh so I on one hand I'm like that that's really cool, and on the on the other hand I'm I'm uh, I'm like I I need to I need to look at this a little bit more because uh because I uh, I've always had a love hate relationship with my with my last name because I because it's it was uh, it was given to me by people who, who owned, you know, my ancestors, you know what I mean? And, uh, Crazy. and so, it, and so it's, uh, it, it, it's always been, you know, you know, I love my name cause it's my name, but, but, uh, but I, I have a, you know, I have a love hate relationship with it. And it's, um, and it's, uh, interesting to me to hear that that's the name of it. I, I, I really need to, uh, to take a deep dive into uh you know into into what what that uh what that means and what that means for me psychologically you know absolutely man it got uh, um it got it got real deep real quick no i mean listen it's going to <laughs> it's going to man these are <laughs> these yeah. are some crazy times um it's so i think that it's so um i don't know it's so fitting that i have your voice finally on my show right now you know it's like the the moons are aligned yeah. i've been listening i've been listening to your voice for for 20 years since i, I mean like yeah. how long jesus how long yeah. have you been doing how long have you been doing cyborg i've been doing cyborg for for coming around 20 years 17 18 years is uh okay. I, I actually started 
recording the voice of Cyborg in 2002, and then it was, uh, and then it debuted in in 2003, and um, and uh, and I've been doing some offshoot of of Cyborg for for that entire time. I think there was maybe there's maybe about three years that they like like right after the first uh, Teen Titans TV show animated series came on that they that, that they really didn't do a whole lot of uh, of uh, cyborg stuff with me and um, and then and then uh, when they brought it back with uh, with Teen Titans go I think they started to realize that that uh, that that first show you know really held people's attention and then the second show became a thing where where the parents of uh, of the kids who were watching the show became uh, fans of the show, and so we we had this multi generational thing happen where where uh, where there were like there were like teenagers and and kids from from uh, from the first show were watching it, then they grew up and uh, and uh, Teen Titans Go started, then they then then they kind of got upset because it wasn't like the old show, but then. Their uh, their younger generation, just under them, glommed on to uh, Teen Titans Go, and on top of that, the parents of those six to nine year olds glommed on to the show, and so now we've got we've got literally like two and a half generations of uh, of people who have who have grown up with Cyborg in some way or another, and it's uh and it's been kind of crazy. It's just been been kind of nuts. Yeah, you're the. I mean, you're the go-to voice for Cyborg. That's like, uh, okay. Did you? So, I, my whole reason that I got into this was because I was a toddler, and they sat me in front of Looney Tunes, and I just started learning all the voices, you know. And that was right, like the right. impetus for my whole acting career. So, it, I mean, I'm curious how you got into it. Man, my uh, beginnings started with uh with something that happened in the in the first grade my um my elementary school or something i i don't i don't even actually i'm not even sure if it was an elementary school because it seems like a weird thing for an elementary school thing to do i think it was probably more my mom because my mom was always into theater and and uh and uh you know kind of you know entertaining and that kind of thing, and uh, and my my family went to see a community theater uh, production of Cyrano de Bergerac, and I was I was in the first grade, and and um and I didn't understand everything that was going on in that play, but and and I I still get emotional thinking about that thinking about that that play because uh, cuz I remember sitting there mesmerized by by Cyrano because uh because he was the most incredible person I'd ever seen in in my life. There was nothing he couldn't do. There was nothing Cyrano couldn't do. And and uh and I remember sitting in my seat watching him sword fight and and match wits with with uh with everyone around around him and uh and I remember thinking to myself I want to be that guy, and I I never got over that. And the first time that um that I that I got on stage and felt the electricity 
and the uh, of uh, that you have between you know an audience and and uh, and a performer, you know that that just solidified it. But uh, but Cyrano, Cyrano did it for me. So that's the smartest guy in the room, Cyrano, and yet he's judged by yeah his exterior. He's judged by his, his exterior. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, or at least you know what? Even worse, he judges himself by that. You know, you know he he he, won't, he couldn't get that get it out of his way. You know because uh <laughs> because it was coming coming at him so much. The only problem is, is that why you gotta be in love with your cousin, man? Why, yeah. I, I don't know what's going on in France back then. Why you gotta be in love with your cousin? You know, was it that small a town? Was it that small a town? Yeah, that's there's there's that's the problem. She, she was yeah. Well, I, I guess she was the only. She was like literally the only woman that was able to just see him for him. But still, those yeah. those kids are gonna look weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's it's uh, fortunate and uh, it's unfortunate for love, but but uh, but fortunate probably that they didn't uh, spread the gene pool in that particular fashion. So how did you <laughs> how did you get into how did you get into voiceover specifically? I uh, I did one or two voiceover jobs in Dallas, Texas, where I went to school. I went to school at Southern Methodist University in, uh, in Dallas, Texas, SMU. And, um, and, uh, but, but I, those were kind of one-offs. Uh, I actually, if I'm being honest, only really remember doing one, a video game called, uh, do a, like in, 1998 or 1999 or something. And, uh, and uh, I came to Los Angeles, and I, I started uh, working, doing commercials, and and uh, and uh, you know, bad movies and TV, and um, and I would ask people all the time. I was like, you know, people say I should get into voiceover. How do I do that? Well, you know, I'd ask my agent, and and they'd be like, oh, you know, that's just really hard to get into, you know, and uh, but I would always ask around, and um, and uh, the truth is, is is I got lucky. One of my best friends from college was uh, was one of the head writers, or he might have been the head writer of uh, on Teen Titans, the original series, and uh, it was his first. Yes, it was his first head writing job, and uh, and he was actually afraid to give me an get me an audition because he didn't want to you know show favoritism, and he was like, but I feel like you're kind of perfect for this cyborg character. So, so I gave him my my headshot and resume. Not that that would matter at all, because what do you need a resume for when you're um when you're uh, doing voiceover? But uh, but my one of my best friends for life is uh David Slack, who's uh who is a uh, now a, a TV writer who's gone on to do a ton of uh, of television uh, writing. But uh, but he got me he got me that audition, and um. And uh, I remember walking into Warner Brothers Animation, and uh, and and in the lobby there of this, it was such a cool uh, lobby that that went up for like six stories, and um, and every every black guy that I had seen on television from like the the 90s 
was there. You know, it was it was like it was like everybody from from living single. You know, uh, uh, Jaleel White was there. All these, you know, I was like, well, I'm probably not gonna get this job, but at least they let me audition. And um, and I just got really lucky that. That cyborg is just me really excited to have a job, you know, or have an audition. Actually, I was just—it was my yeah. first voiceover audition. It was my first voiceover audition in Los Angeles, and uh, and I remember uh, David called me like a couple of weeks later, and he said, "Kari, I think I think it's like between you and like three other dudes, because uh, because I mentioned it, you know that um." You know, they were like, oh, well, we like this guy, this guy. And I was like, oh, that's my friend. And he was, they were like, you know that guy? And they were, and, 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 uh, and he was like, you know, I can't, I can't tell you for sure, but but I, I, I think it's down to you and three other people. I don't have any, you know, say about who they pick, but I, I think you might, you know, be down to the last few. And turns out I got it. And the rest is history. Did you, because I work, I mean, I don't, did you do you did you read the comic books growing up, dude? I I ran back to the uh, to to my apartment that I was living in and dug through my comic books and pulled out yeah. because because I hadn't read like uh, like Teen Titans in a while and uh, not not since I was uh, a kid and um, and uh, I missed like Teen Titans in the nineties. Uh, uh, the comic book, and so, um, and so, but I had them uh, uh, growing up, and um, and I went back to my apartment and dug back through some stuff, and found like that that old Teen Titans, you know, the new Teen Titans, and it's all of them, and and Raven's kind of you know uh, above all of them, and and uh, and and Robin's in the middle, and and uh, and Cyborg is on the side with this kind of magenta, you know, thing coming out of his hand cannon. And, uh, and I pulled that thing out because I was like, I think this is the same character. And, uh, and because the, uh, obviously the, the, the characters were, were, uh, were different styles, but, uh, but I was like, Holy crap. I read this guy. I, I, I know this guy. So yeah, I was freaking out on a lot of levels. Yeah. He's, He's a very important character, you know. There's not a lot of um there's not a lot of black characters in that universe that you could that you know no, by name. No, they're you know, not. He's often yeah. the only the black the only black guy in the room a lot of the time. And he and Yeah, yeah. You know, and he's with the the top guys. And this is a guy when I was a kid reading comic books was someone who was a normal guy. He's just, he's a normal, he's a black guy. He's, he, and he's, um, he's a quarterback on his uh, football team. He gets injured, you know, he's in an accident and there's, and it's like a really compelling story, man. It's like, it's real. His yeah. life is going to, he's like, my life is, he's like, my life is almost over he here. Was, you know, what should I do? Yeah, and then yeah. he becomes, it was very then he becomes the superhero. So at the heart, he's just yeah. a kid, you know? And so for a kid reading that was, I, I felt like, wow, that I, like, God forbid something happens to me, but, you know, that that yeah. is a way that 
you could become a superhero. That story that has gone on to become the Teen Titans that I read and then the Teen Titans that I watched and loved following Robin from the Batman series and then realizing that, fuck, Cyborg is my favorite character. Cyborg is hysterical. Cyborg is a badass. Just loving Cyborg and the, and the Beast Boy relationship. I was like, that's me and my buddies, man. You know, it's like, yeah. And then, yeah. you know, and then growing up, having kids, you said it, Teen Titans go. And then, you know, my, my daughter's favorite is Raven. But I, I sit there and I watch it with her and, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really special character, man. Um, so I, I just wanted to I, let you know. I got so lucky. Yeah, no, I yeah. got so lucky that that that. Well, I mean, and this is a, a lot due to uh, to uh, to my friend David Slack. Um, you know, and and uh, and the team that first adapted uh, uh, Cyborg for uh, for an animated series, uh, along with uh, the and uber talented Glenn Murakami, um, they uh, they took Cyborg from the from uh, and uh, who who was who was a, a very dark character, you know, for the most part in the comics, very uh, uh, you know upset about his situation, about being uh, being this this freak, he would call himself, you know that that. Uh, that was, uh, you know, half robot because he couldn't do the things that he used to be able to do. And, and, uh, and, uh, and they kind of, they took that, that, that character, but, but, uh, I, I think they took my exuberance <laughs> and, uh, and kind of meshed them. And it was like, it was like, what if this guy had a, had a, uh, a kind of evolution, um, of, uh, of, you know, yeah, having these regrets of being, of being uh, half robot, but but learning to uh, to embrace, you know, who he is and his uniqueness and the fact that he's he can do things that that he could never have done before and uh, and really um, and really being joyous about that fact and being joyous about his life at some point and um, and uh, I think that that has imbued Cyborg to a large extent. Um, uh, from the from the comics, that uh, that that uh, that we uh, that he does have a joy about him, you know, and uh, and I I'm I'm really proud of of that evolution of, of Cyborg, that uh, that he can see that 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 he he's he comes around to see the the good and the uh, and the and the wonder that goes with being someone like him, you know. Supposedly the uh, the Snyder cut, it's like he's the he's the main protagonist. Oh yeah, you know that, dude. Yeah. I would it's... love that because because yeah. because uh, because the, the the funny thing is is he 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 has the that one line at the end of uh, of uh, of Justice League where where he's um where where he's kind of uh, you know joking and and, and laughing. And uh, and and I was and, and and I was it just made me so happy, sad because because it was like there he is, there's that guy who's starting to love who he is, you know, and not be so torn down by uh, 
by his situation, but rather, you know, you know, starting to be able to, to enjoy, you know, what he has become, you know? And, uh, and so I would love, I would love to see a, a version where, where we actually see, you know, more of that evolution. Yeah. I love that character. I'd love to, I, I, I was oh, hoping man, that, I'm, I'm hoping that that creates spinoffs and, you know, where it's, we just get a cyborg movie, you know? I think that'd be that, cool. that would be incredible. That would be incredible. I, I I'm so uh, grateful to be a part of the the journey of this character. You know, because uh, you know, I mean, if you were a, a comic book person, you remembered, uh, you know, Cyborg, of course. But but I feel like over the last twenty years, with what what we've been able to accomplish, uh, just uh, making him more a part of the you know, pop culture zeitgeist, I guess, you know, uh, he went from being more of an obscure character to, uh, to being, you know, in the justice league movie, you know, and I, I, I don't, I don't know if, uh, if that, you know, would have necessarily happened. Was it, were it not for the initial success of, uh, of, uh, teen Titans. So uh, I feel like a proud Papa. I always say, I feel like a proud Papa, you know, being a part of that. If we survive the apocalypse, you'll be doing that voice forever, man. Like Casey Kasem, you know. <laughs> dude, uh, but that's a dude, good, I remember, that's a good dude. I I did a, an episode of Scooby Doo with Casey Kasem, man, and he Stop was it. he he was he was still like like bent over, you know. He he was he was still doing it, but but man, he came over. He 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 wasn't even looking straight ahead he was looking at the ground that's how 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 old oh. he uh he was but that voice was ah, still yeah. as shaggy as you want to be baby he was shaggy wow. and killing it killing it wow it was so cool like just pointing <laughs> towards <laughs> the mic man <laughs> oh, like man. i'm tipping over scoob okay that's that's hilarious that totally freaked me out that freaked me out re- when I realized that Casey Kasem was shaggy. That, that, that and Robin. Two. And Robin. And Robin. Crazy. I'm the fucking. Yes. Craziness, man. He was a lot of. He was a lot of people, and I can't believe he was just still doing it. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, uh, I'm so telling you, man. Yeah, you'll be doing it forever. And okay, so so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um. Apocalypse. Uh, this is an excellent segue, actually. So, um, I'm a fan of The Walking Dead. Um, Ezekiel, of the comic book, very, very special to me. Love that character. And then seeing him yeah. on the, the pikes, okay, seeing what his demise is in the comic book. Spoilers, sorry, everybody. But he was supposed to be on yeah. the pike. And then yeah. just so happy, so happy that... Um, well, I, I also Luke also avoided the pike. Both of our characters avoided being yeah. on, uh, being on that pike. Man. Um, we zigged and zagged and, and and missed it, man. <laughs> yeah, we we jumped into a parallel universe uh, and, and avoided it. Uh, yeah, and so we're, I've got a, many questions, but first, were you a fan of the comic book before you started playing the character? I was not. I was not. I had seen pictures of Ezekiel, 
and uh, and uh, didn't actually realize that when the TV show was on, when the TV show was on, uh, I didn't realize that what I was looking at was was uh, was the TV show that had become this huge hit. I didn't even start watching the show until about three years into it, you know, because because I. It's funny because some of my favorite movies are zombie movies, but I don't just watch zombie stuff just just because it's got a zombie in it. You know, I've been burned a few times. They, they, there've been some there've been some crappy ass zombie movies, you know, uh, out there, and and so uh, and so I won't just jump up and go see every zombie movie uh, just because it's it got zombies in it. But uh, but uh, but like like Shaun of the Dead is literally in my top ten. Uh, uh, favorite movies of all time you know cool. uh and uh but but i but i was like i was like you know what i don't know if this, this zombie thing is for me and and finally uh somebody was like you know what? you need to just sit down and watch this and uh and man from the first 30 seconds of that movie just i mean of that movie of the of the of the series that first episode just the quiet just the quiet got to me and uh, and I I absolutely just just fell head over heels uh, for it, and um, and then uh, and then I got uh, I got an audition to play someone in uh, in Woodbury, and um, you know just uh, and I I can't even remember who the person was actually I probably wouldn't know because because they they really don't. Uh, make the uh the audition sides have anything to do with what what the character actually is and um but i but i obviously didn't get that one but but uh but when but when they asked me to audition for i believe a dude named augustus who had a pet lion named La- nala a pet okay lion named nala that was real easy for me to figure out by that time yeah, I came yeah. around, I was like, I was like, you know what? You're not fooling nobody. I know, I know this. Was, yeah. I'm auditioning for Ezekiel right now. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Um. So, did you ever? Did you ever like do any method stuff where you like went around and like hung out with tigers or anything? No, but you know what? I mean, I've, I've, uh, you know what's weird, dude. Okay, after I, you know, a few years after I've, I've been doing this, uh, you know, you go around and you do conventions and take pictures with people and sign, sign autographs and stuff. And I was in Tampa, Florida, and they were like, you know what, you should go to this tiger sanctuary, this big, big cat sanctuary, you know, where they rescue these tigers, you know, who, that have been mistreated or blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, sure, sure, let's go down there. It's Carol you Baskin. Tiger King's Carol right. Baskin's. Fucking place, no. man. Stop it. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. You went to that crazy weird place. <laughs> yes, I did. I didn't meet Carol, but I didn't meet okay. Carol, but I went there. Wow. And that's as close to uh, to lions, and, I mean, uh, to tigers as I had gotten. Um, I've never been, like, in the cage. You know, they say, you know what, it's, 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 uh, it's not, you know, probably best for the animals for for uh people to be interacting with the tigers. So so I myself have never, you know, you hold a baby tiger. I haven't I haven't walked with a you know, uh, a tiger or anything like that. You know, uh you know, I I'm I'm trying to be uh do what's best for the animals and 
and me having a photo op with uh with the baby tiger i don't know if that's the, the best thing for him so i'm uh I'm, i don't i don't uh do that and i haven't done that but um but uh but yeah yeah i have been to the carol baskin fucking sanctuary you know what another funny story is is that when i got the job i just assumed they were going to get a real tiger you know because I, yeah. I didn't know that, you know, I was like, well, maybe they'll do CG, but I'm, I'm, I don't know. I maybe, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna show up and 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 figure out how to put a tiger in, a, you know, in this thing. I remember uh, there was an old uh, uh, music video by Eve, like in the early 2000s. I can't remember what song it was that, that Eve was doing, but but she had a tiger. Yeah. Like like a baby tiger, like 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 that she was and she was like sitting on this sofa looking cute and like rapping rapping uh, on top of it and uh, right, yeah, it was right, the, right, yeah. the tiger sitting at the other end of the sofa and uh, oh. and I remember seeing like the the um, the 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 uh, behind the scenes stuff from that that video and uh, and they superimposed that tiger on there. They they put the tiger on there at one at, at one time, and then they had Eve on there at another time because that tiger freaked her the fuck out. I remember, and I was thinking, I was thinking, oh shit, man, are they gonna try and put me together with this tiger? And then if that doesn't work, they're gonna bring the tiger in and shoot him by himself, and then superimpose it. Dude, I had all of these ideas. I didn't know what to think, but uh, but I feel like they, that was probably a good idea. That we didn't get a real tiger, you know. We shoot way too fast on The Walking Dead. We're like, we gotta go, we gotta go, we got that. That would have stopped everything. Bringing a tiger onto the set, so. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Jesus. Tiger Malls Walker. I don't. I don't want to hear exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, that's, oh, that's God, crazy. No. 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 Um. Yeah. Did, did you watch Plus, Tiger every King? Time did you watch or something? Plus oh. every time that that the if the, if a real tiger was like even if it was just sitting there but but if if it if it started like the growl or or or, or twitch the wrong way you know yeah. you, you see how smooth and cool I look up there next to a tiger man, <laughs> I, I probably would have jumped out of my chair like like yeah. oh my seven God. thousand times you know trying to get out these these monologues you know with, you uh, take with your the life in your hands you, you know it's like you say. It's like the, when you when you get a job and they say, "So, uh, can you ride horses?" You're like, "Ah, yeah, no, oh, yeah, of course, I'm an expert." You know, it's like, you know, yeah, of course, I'm a tiger expert. You know, like you you just say yes. You know? Exactly. You know, what are you gonna exactly fuck? exactly? Yeah, they're like, "So, uh, what kind of tiger training have you?" I was like, "Yeah, I've uh, <laughs> I've, I've watched a lot of uh, safari documentaries." James Attenborough. I actually, I actually um, did watch a, a a documentary about these these monks who lived with these like oh. abandoned tigers, and uh, oh. again, it was it was really fascinating. And I was like, uh, and and I I um I was like, maybe this is a uh, part of where he got the idea from to uh to to do this thing. But apparently, Kirkman, Robert Kirkman, just wanted to come up with something that 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 he thought they'd never be able to do on the TV show. But they pulled wow. it out. Yeah. Figured it out. Um, okay, so Cyborg, you also did um you were also Aqualad, right? Is that true? Yeah. I am still Aqualad. Actually Aqualad has uh 
has graduated Grimlock. to Aquaman. He has taken over for Aqua. Aqua, Aquaman in the, oh. in the Young Justice series that I do. I also play Black Lightning on that show. I, yeah, 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 yeah. He got a he got a promotion, man. And uh, I um I play uh, uh, several characters on that show. What the you know the one uh, I one of the black characters that I actually don't play on the show is Cyborg. <laughs> what? I don't play Cyborg, but uh but I play his dad. So so I'm passing oh. the baton to my man Zeno wow. Robinson. Does, does an amazing job as uh. As a uh, as cyborg on the show, you got to be Killer Croc. Wait, what does Killer Croc sound like? Like, do you mind if I hear it? Oh, so Killer Croc, he's down here. Ooh, Ralph and Star, yeah, yeah, always, yeah. always looking up uh, this this shit from our. Look, How I mean, many voices Croc, he can? Lives in the sewer, so he's literally living it up. Hell, How many? That's me. <laughs> How many voices can you do, man? Or, or like, do you have like you know two hundred voices Not in maybe. your pocket? No, 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 no. I, you know what? I, I always am, am, uh, am amazed that, that, uh, that I keep getting jobs because I, I know so many people who have like, you know, two hundred voices, five hundred right. voices. You, you've got all of these impressions that you do. I stumble into impressions. I don't actually. You know, I, 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 my ear actually isn't isn't good enough to 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 meticulously figure out, you know, how to how to do um, impressions of people. You know, I just happen to sort right. of sound like people, and then and then I can start <laughs> to hear it and tailor it into something. You know, like I, I think I, I your... think I was I was trying to do the the Petrich Farms guy. You know, Petrich Farms. <laughs> no, it's not a, and uh, and and I was joking about that, and a friend of mine was like, "That's not the Petra Farms guy. You sound like Morgan Freeman." And then I like calmed it down, and I was like, "I was like, well, I suppose it's oh my god, more like you know." And then and then I realized, oh, I had yeah. a Morgan Freeman impression, but I, you know, I just stumbled into that. I was like, "If you stand yeah. there and listen, perhaps you will understand." Decent <laughs> everywhere. You know, I had no idea. <laughs> but, uh, but, but uh, you know, so that's how I that's how I stumble into uh into into impressions. Um, I yeah. uh, the the one that I the one that worked out that I worked on was uh, Rafiki from The Lion King. I I uh, they 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 were um oh. they were replacing Robert Guillaume because because uh, he was nearly ninety years old and I, I think he was just like I'm tired of right. doing this I'm I'm retiring and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, and so I I sat in my closet for about an hour and a half trying to figure out if I could do a Rafiki impression, and it turns out I can do a very good Rafiki. Wow! And so I did that for several years. Oh, or, uh, I did that uh, for uh, the Disney Channel um, uh, for for uh, about three years. And uh, and so that was the one that I actually worked on, and, and was able to get a job from it. <laughs> do you and to me, do you and Cooper? Because Cooper does a a me and Mufasa. Do you guys ever? Oh, he does. He does do a me and Mufasa. Yes, we have yeah. played with that actually. 
We are playing with that. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. I have to, Actually, man, I have to see that. If people only knew how friggin' talented that dude is, Cooper Andrews is amazing. I mean, yeah. his impressions yeah. of – you should see him do a, an impression of uh, – of, uh, of um of Andy play uh, as Rick Grimes, like his, uh, like the, he oh. changes his stance and his movement. I mean, and, and to see this big Jewish Samoan dude turn into <laughs> Rick Grimes is the most incredible shit I have ever seen in my life. You know? Holy shit. I have to, okay, let me write this down. Cooper. You got it. You got to make sure Cooper Rick. does his Rick Grimes impression. It's not Andy, but it's, it's Andy. Being Rick, he's right. like, the 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 stance just like boom, it's amazing. I love it. Okay, that's, yeah, he does that. He'll just like slip into something. You're like, holy fuck, that's a perfect impression. Yeah, it's weird. The, yeah, spot on, spot on. He's amazing. Um. Okay, so here we are. We're in. Some say we're in the actual apocalypse, even though we're on the show about the yeah. apocalypse. That, right, that the right. world is un- unraveling here. And our show takes place in Georgia. And you you live in Georgia. You're growing up in Georgia, right? Yeah. You're li- yeah, you're li- yeah. You, I was yeah. Uh, born and raised most of my formative years in Georgia. Yeah. yeah. And you're living yeah. there now, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I go back and forth between Los Angeles and, and Atlanta, but yeah, I uh, I live um, pretty much half the year in uh, in Atlanta, and um, yeah, and it's uh, it's an amazing thing to uh, to continue to be a part of the uh, continual reawakening of America to uh, to what it is versus what we're kind of taught to believe, you know, that it is, you know, without question, you know, the land of the free. Right. And uh, it's, it's uh, you know, there, there's a big asterisk, you know, on the, on the end of that. And, um, right. and, uh, and I say that with, uh, with, with a lot of, um, with a lot of hope, but with a, but with a lot of sadness too, because I, I love this country, you know, I, yeah. I I I fucking love the United States of America, but uh, but it has been a struggle my whole life, you know, um, living living here with uh, with the inadvertent uh, uh, level of racism that it kind of simmers underneath. For periods of time that and then uh and then times like this where it bubbles up and uh and overtakes us as a you know as as a whole nation and we see it and and these times are are so important because you know it's kind of like you know i mean it's kind of like Ezekiel covering up his neck with that with that growth on his neck that cancer on his neck you know i uh, you know i uh, yeah uh, yeah kind of trying to pretend that it's not there and uh but just like just, just like you know any cancer you know uh you can't deal with it until you acknowledge it 
And I, I've heard these stories, you know, coming up, you know, from my parents. And then you start to experience these these things for yourself uh, as a, as a kid and growing up. And um, and I just so desperately want to help people understand who don't experience this that that we're that uh, that we as as uh, as black people in America are not making making these stories up. You know, I am I am. A very positive person, I think, and uh, and I'm also a very like affable guy. You know, I can I can talk to most anybody and uh, and uh, and be I think uh, disarming. You know, like uh, let let them know that, uh, that 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 I'm friendly and and uh, you know and, and start to start up a conversation, be able to you know, kind of talk to anyone, I feel like. And, um, and, uh, that's when you start talking, that's when you're able to talk, but you know, you're that's judged right. before that's that. That's when I'm able to talk, but I get judged before that, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not some, right. you know, big intimidating, you know, you know, guy, you know, I, I'm not, but the first, but, but the first impression that I've gotten with the, uh, the encounters with 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 uh with police law enforcement throughout my life has been has been them trying to intimidate me and uh and seeing me as some sort of threat before I'm able to de-escalate the situation and I'm and I'm and the thing is I'm good at that I'm good at de-escalating the situation and uh and what I what I want people to understand is that is that cops have been trained to to uh, to be wary and to resort to uh, to strong arming the situation when it comes to uh, uh, African American men, people of color, because they 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 feel like the uh the uniform uh demands a certain amount of respect and uh and if you're not getting that respect then then i then we're doing something wrong but but i've uh i've been pulled over and given tickets for for speeding but i have been pulled over more often and and uh and not given not given tickets for uh, the, when my car wasn't as nice as it is now, you know they they come to my window and they uh, and and this is this is multiple times. They're like they they uh, they, they they come to me and uh, and ask me not for my license and registration. They uh, they they say uh, they ask me uh, uh, what I'm doing in the area. They ask me, do I have any outstanding warrants that I need that they need to be aware of? That they that I should let them know now to make it easy, make this uh, situation easier. So much so that that uh, that finally, I started to ask friends of mine. I was like, when you get pulled over, do they ask you if you have any outstanding warrants? Is that a is 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 that a, a thing that police do now? And they're like, no. You know, actually, I don't get pulled over in this area. And then 
And now <laughs> I drive a relatively nice car. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not, you know, that big a deal, but it's a nice car. And, uh, and I got, I got pulled over. I, I, my, uh, I, I didn't have my sticker on my, my registration on my, on my car. I had, you know, coming back between Atlanta and, and, uh, and, uh, in LA, I forgot to, to do that. I got pulled over and, uh, and I, and they told me to, and, and I was like, and, and I actually knew, I knew exactly what it was, you know? And I was like, I was like, I know what this is. No, no big deal. I rolled down my window and I, I, I put my hands out of, out of the window just to, because you know what? I do that every, you know, every time now, because I don't want anybody to, to get any weird impression about me. Uh, I pulled over. They, from their car, they told me to turn my car, to, to, turn my car off and roll down my windows. And the two cops got out on either side of, car, of the car and they, and they said, whose car is this? Do you know the owner? And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm the owner. And I gave them my information. They went back right. and looked at it for, for a second. Then they came back and they were very apologetic afterward, you know, because, I, right. because they, realized that they had had made a mistake you know i don't think that these cops were 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 meaning to to treat me this way but they have been they've been conditioned to be like that guy is uh is probably a threat that guy probably isn't even uh, uh the owner of this car and i should be able to drive in my own neighborhood and and having for, forgotten to take care of my registration, you know, I'm, you know, that's just a ticket. That's a fix it ticket. You know, I go to I go to to the DMV. I, I you know I show my registration. They're like, yes, got it. You got to pay like a small fee. That's what that should be. It shouldn't be a deal where 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 uh, where I get pulled over and I feel like oh oh shit, please let me make sure I don't make a wrong sudden move because. They will they will pull their gun and shoot because that is the mode that they are already in. It's it if it happens to me, it happens to black people everywhere. And so when we when when we get pulled over, and somebody's agitated, and worried and freaked out, and the police officer is like, well, he's pretty worried and agitated. He must be doing something wrong. And then they pull you out of the car. And then uh, to, to talk to you about it, and it's like, why are you pulling me out of the out of the car for no reason? The 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 police officer's presence is literally the reason for the agitation. And instead of realizing that that they could be part of the problem, and help be part of the solution, by saying, you know what, I'm actually here to serve you. You you see, worried? Are, are are you worried about my presence? You know you know. Take these moments to learn how to better serve the people in your community so that they, they start to trust you again. That's the problem right you know? there. That, there that, is no, that is there, absolutely the problem. That, that, uh, there's that no police personalization. Want, no, no. And, people, and, and police want to have a certain respect and, uh, and, be, and, and, be, uh, and have their authority um, uh, listened to without thinking about the history of, of, of this country and, and what that means to the people that they're, that they're dealing with. 
And so, and, and that conversation has to be had. It has to be listened to. Because it's not a situation where you just need to do what the police say anymore. No, the police need to listen. Because at the end of the day, they are here to protect and serve us. They're actually here to protect and serve the, the, the criminal element in this country. The people who are actually doing wrong, they, they, are, they, they, need, they are there to protect and serve them as well, to help them be a, part of, a better part of the society, you know? And sometimes that means arresting somebody. But you have to go at it with that mentality that I am here to help you. Even though you're not helping yourself, I am here to help you. And until law enforcement and police start to think of their, their jobs as, not as I'm, gonna, I'm going to go and get the bad guys and, and inadvertently start seeing everybody as a potential bad guy, but, I, but, but instead starting to think like I am here to protect and serve every citizen. Even, even the citizens who aren't protecting and serving themselves. When, when police and law enforcement can go out into, in, into the uh, communities they serve and have that mentality, then you're not going to be throwing a kid down for, for jaywalking in the street because you've got a, because you've got a, a, a quota of, of a certain amount of tickets that you need to uh, you need to uh, uh, take care of, or there's so many police on the street that half of them are bored, and they're looking for something to do. So they start stopping people who don't need to be stopped. For some reason, law enforcement is uh, is given you know gold stars and and uh, and uh, and, you know, officer of the month, you know, accolades, those kind of things for how many arrests they make and how many, you know, tickets they, they write. You know, in every other service industry, and that's what, that's what police work is. It's a service industry. You're serving the public. You know, that you get normally in a service situation, you are given accolades for people writing reviews, writing perfect reviews of your police work. What if at the end of an, an, an interaction, uh, a police officer was like, uh, was like, listen, I, you know, I, you know, I know that this was uh, um, unpleasant, but, uh, but I want, I'm, I'm just trying to, to take care of you here. If you feel good about the interaction you, you, you have, you know what, uh, can, we, can we send you a survey so that you can t- let everybody know that I'm doing a good job? If, if, uh, if interactions with, uh, with, with police were, were like, uh, you, know, you know, hanging out with, uh, with, with, with people in, in the community, you know, every once in a while I see those, I see, I see those, those moments where they're playing basketball with kids in the street, they're doing, you know they're having some some fun with them and and if they and if uh, if uh, the the police officer was like was like you know what you know what if you if you have fun with me today can you write something up and let them know that I'm doing doing a good job that's not how we think of uh, of law enforcement but that's how it should be yeah otherwise you're making up you're making up arrests so that you can get accolades you're making up tickets so you can get a, get accolades. Right. And they're incentivized, and they're incentivized. You know, 
Yeah, um, they're incentivized. But, exactly, exactly. It, to see crime. Is that the word? I'm trying to them. figure out that. That's, that's yeah, a, yeah. They're, they're getting incentivized or else, or else, where there isn't any. Or else they and lose their job. Say, say that, it's crazy. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. It is crazy. I saw this. You, did you, you see this documentary? They won't lose uh, their job. <laughs> they won't lose their well, job. Not for, the, you know, for, uh, uh, you know, because it's hard for a police officer to lose their job. This is the one thing that we're learning right now. You know. No, but here's the thing. They, they, they. Uh, you're, I was watching this documentary called Exactly Well Hey, but I'm talking this. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about specifically the whole quota thing. I'm watching this documentary right. called Crime Plus Punishment, and there, there are officers, often uh, Latinos and and, and African American officers, who are given impossible quotas to meet. And when they can't meet that quota because they have a heart of gold, because they're like, I can't make up a fucking arrest. I can't do that, mm-hmm. you know? And no one talks about it openly. Then right. they get punished. They get punished. They get put on a corner where they can't, they, where it's like they, they, they get taken out of their squad car. They get, they, they get uh, demerits. They're, it's like they're constantly and the crazy thing about that. And, and they push them out. They push them out. Yeah, and here's the crazy thing about that is is that they're unwilling to manufacture it because they are in their own communities and see the people as human beings exactly. rather than seeing somebody as, you know what, that's an opportunity. That's not a human being. That's not a citizen, somebody I serve. That's an opportunity for me to get it, to, to write a ticket. That's an opportunity for me to make an arrest. And if I'm getting you, uh... accolades for the amount of rest arrests that I get, if, right. I, if I pull somebody o- over for a minor infraction and they start to get upset about it, and I can say, you're resisting arrest, and I, and, and, uh, and, and, and uh, I, I, uh, because you start, you're being belligerent, it is literally an incentive to, to, uh, to escalate a situation rather than de-escalate a situation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This, this is, yeah. this is what we're talking about when we've got to reimagine what public safety means. They're saying in this they're saying don't resist, don't resist while the guy can't possibly resist and he's, you know, breaking the guy's arm. The only response you can do yeah. to save your life is to try to pull away. They interpret that or they're told to interpret that as resisting and then that's it. You resisted. What yeah. are you talking about? I was you broke my arm. I couldn't even move. Okay, so and then yeah. the next thing you know the person's dead. And 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 there's okay. So this last, I got about a half hour, then I got to put the kids to bed. But I want to get no, no, I, I got, so, I, I. But I want to talk it's about. A, it's a big day today, so I get it. I get it. I want to talk. I mean, I can. I, I want to talk about the fact that. Well, let me let me ask this question. Did you did, did you did you go out to protest? How, how what what is your? Uh, I did what you not. I did not. I. Uh, I was, What's your view on it? You know, I'm, I'm realizing that we're still in a, in a pandemic. I appreciate everybody being being out out there. Uh, you know, I've got I've got people near me that uh, that uh, I wanted to uh, that I was worried about um, uh, spreading uh, 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 COVID, and uh, and uh, and so you know, I I absolutely appreciate everybody who was out there, but. Um, but I uh, and and I have I have been out in the streets protesting before, 
but but uh, I felt like I needed to to uh, uh, be an advocate in different ways uh, just to protect the uh, you know my my loved ones. So so I wasn't out out in the street, but I I, I absolutely have, uh, appreciated everybody and what they were doing. I do too. I appreciate the 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 peaceful protesting and the organized protesting and and I appreciate sure. some of the I even appreciate some of the the rioting in a lot of sense uh where I mean I don't they, I don't uh, they're targeting I'm not saying they're that. targeting specific uh, specific monuments, you know, something like a sure, like sure. someone who's a fucking racist, you know. This this fucking monument needs to come down, you know. I I get that. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I understand that that, uh, that violence is not, you know, is not the way you want to uh, want to ha- handle things. But, but uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Martin Luther King, you know, uh, famously said that uh, that that a riot is uh, is the language of the unheard, and uh, right. and these things don't come out of nowhere. You know, they, we the the people who are out in the streets and the, and the the riots that that uh that ensued did not come out of, uh, of, you know, of people everyday living their lives and, and, uh, and just, uh, and just deciding that they wanted to break things. It, it, it came out of a frustration with, uh, with the, with the way a community, uh, has been treated, you know? And, uh, and, and, I'm, I I I hate that, uh, that that uh that there are writings and that riots and that there's violence but uh but I understand where where that bubbling anger comes from and uh and there there are there are things that we riot for in this country that uh that are that are much less significant you know I've seen a lot of people out in the streets burning cars and and uh and, and breaking windows when their when their favorite college football team or basketball team, you know, uh wins a championship. Right, and, right. Uh, and uh, you know, and people kinda sort of shake their head and go, What 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 how 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 stupid is that? But uh but nobody seems to get quite as up in arms about that as when uh when when people get so upset because they can't breathe, literally, literally and figuratively, they can't breathe. It's, uh, yeah, the the more that I try to uh, formulate my philosophy around this, and I, I I'm like I said before, I, I, if I was under that kind of oppression every single day, day in day out, hands on me invasive I would my rage I know myself I'm pretty sure that my rage would be focused in a certain way I would go for you know biblical shit eye for an eye justice you know I that that's just how I roll you know um yeah. because because like 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 I would go after if I was I couldn't see myself being so angry that I would you know say fuck the police and you know just you know, go crazy on some fucking uh, police uh, vehicles or some shit. I don't know how far I would take it, but that see that that makes sense for me. And it's not it's not for me to judge how 
uh, people express their rage, you know, over oppression, you know, if people are, and, and if you can, and if you can manage to, to loot and riot without hurting innocent people in the process, <laughs> then more power to you, you know, but, um, sure. My, my opinion is until that's possible, I'm more on the side of getting organized, you know, I'm more on the side of focusing that rage and, yeah, and yeah, I think, exactly, and, and, uh, yeah. and I think that's you know that's that's what's happening. There's the the uh, yes. honestly, I think the violence that that, that started with with uh, with these protests, you know, the rioting that started uh, was a uh, was a bubbling over of uh, of emotion because you you noticed that that uh, that as these uh, protests went on, that. The riot, the riot stopped, but the but the protest didn't. You right. know, when the, when a volcano erupts, the, the 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 beginning of that eruption is a release of immense pressure. And then, but that's but and and, uh, and that that's that's the exciting explosion that everyone sees. But but uh, but the end result of that volcano is that is that that molten lava rolls down. Into the streets and builds new. It builds new. It builds. It builds new land. You know. It builds something. Yeah. And uh, and that and that that slow, hot ooze is what we're in the middle of right now, and it doesn't look as as uh, as exciting. But but that is where the real work is done, and uh, and and we can we can focus on that on on the the spectacular explosion. But the uh, but the real work is slow and methodical, and things will burn, and the, and the things that that you thought were permanent are are going to get rearranged, and that's the and and that's a that's a natural causality, but that's what's happening, and it's. And it's painful on a lot of levels, you know. It is. I imagine it is hard for someone who thinks that they're the good guys to realize that they're the bad guys. That maybe they aren't as squeaky clean as they thought they were. That's a hard. That's a hard thing to to uh, to 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 change your brain into seeing. But that's that's the job that that uh, that we have to do. That's the hard work that we have to do. You know, I mean, all of us in life, you know, seeing our flaws and realizing, you know, that we are we are not what we thought we were, or maybe our opinion isn't the reality that we finally come to realize and that we have to change things about ourselves. That's a difficult journey to make. That's what this country is doing right now. And that's what it's grappling with. I saw a... Uh, uh, a police chief or, or or something he was a leader of police but he was having a press conference and he said and he was talking about how how the police are being vilified and how they're tired of being looked at you know as uh, as animals and as thugs and it right. was an incredibly telling moment to uh, to hear those words come out come out of that man because and and I, I can only hope that he can 
go back and listen to, to what he said and imagine how that must feel because he's been feeling that for like two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, totally oblivious. Hopefully Did you see the version totally. of that? I mean, at least it's out Did there, you... man. I, I hope. But here's the thing. Did you see the version of that speech where he's saying, you know, how dare you call us animals? And it's intercut with all over the country, cops just acting like fucking animals. Exactly. Exactly. And and here's the thing. Um, it it may very well be true that that uh that it is not the majority of uh of police. But if that's the truth, then the majority of police have to 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 uh to clean up yeah. the ones that are that are doing badly. And the thing is is that is that over the course of my lifetime, it has been clear that they don't want to do that work. They don't want to do the 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 work of of telling somebody, or telling that they're, you know, overall. I mean, I'm not saying you know you know each individual cop, but police law enforcement as a whole does not want to police itself in that way, because sure. because if that were the case, George Floyd would still be alive. Because the police officer who who uh, who murdered him had 18 complaints against him. Of course he did. Anybody who's got 18 complaints against him needed to either be disciplined or fired and not made to be a police officer again. But because they gave him chance after chance after chance, he finally... Up the ante to the point where where he killed somebody. We they this could have been stopped at the tenth complaint, at the fifteenth complaint. These things are there. There are systems in place to check this power, but there has to be a willingness to do the necessary the necessary thing, which is to which is to hold our police accountable. It's really not that much that we're asking. But it is but but it is now because we've never asked them to truly hold themselves accountable before. Because they and they've gotten gotten away with it for years and so now it feels like why are you doing why are you doing this now? You know, this is uncomfortable for me. But it finally got so uncomfortable for us that we can't take that anymore. This reminds me of the Catholic Church. Remember, it used to be, you know, there, there were, Ooh. when I was growing up, it was like, you know what? If there's one place you can go to, if you can trust somebody, you can trust a priest. You can trust a priest. Without question, you can trust a priest. You remember that? Remember that? That, that was like, that, there was a handful of people that, that, without question, you can trust a priest. Right. And for for the longest time, the Catholic Church was like, "There's nothing going on. There's nothing wrong. We have we have no idea." But when you when you implicitly give an organization that much authority, that much power, that much trust, without oversight and without repercussions, then there will be abuse. And this is not 
unlike you know the the, the Catholic Church situation. Those kids grew up. I'm a, uh, I'm a conspiracy theorist, man. <laughs> I'm not, but I, but I, but I, uh, but I can understand human nature and how things how, how things start off small and and start to you know gather into a in, into a, a big snowball, you know. And I can see how how that happened. I can see how how that happened. And uh, and and the Catholic Church was like, we're we're so embarrassed that we don't want to acknowledge what's happening, and that's what's happening with police. They are actually so embarrassed by this that they don't want to acknowledge what's happening. Let me ask you a question: Do you? Yeah. Because I I see I see this. Ever since 9-11, I just question every single large-scale major um, event that, uh, you know, that is catastrophic for everybody's psyches, okay? And we've had several, (laughs) like, it's like a sandwich. So now um, I look at these riots, these peaceful protests at the heart of it, and then I see... Um, the peaceful protests um, being steered, and I see riots being amplified, and I can't for for you know to to sell a certain narrative to steer um, the peace toward violence in in many of the situations. People, I mean the. Do you did you did you notice that certain that the movement was is being weaponized? Yes, yes, I, I did I did notice that. I don't know if it's like you know, you know, a council of of uh, of, of of people you know bringing this this stuff down from on high. Uh, I I don't doubt that there are certain people talking on the internet trying to take advantage of the situation. I absolutely think that that's that uh that that's happening on a level um but i i also i also was really excited to see so many people realizing that it was happening and uh and not letting themselves uh you know be used you know for that kind of photo opportunity you know and uh and and uh and it t- it 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 took a second. It took a, it took the second or third day, you know, for for people to be like, you know, smashing this window is not the point. We are, you know, we are we are we are not about this distraction. You know, let's keep our eyes on the prize. And eventually, that stuff fell away. Right. Well, those were the and, people uh, that are their town. That. But what about all the people yeah. that was they, from out of town? All the people that came from out of town to wreak havoc. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah. no, man. There, there were, there, there were, there were people in in L.A. driving, you know, driving their fancy cars, running out to smash stuff just, just, uh, just because, you know, they they, they thought it would be fun and have an opportunity. You know, that is some absolute Jesus. bullshit. Absolute bullshit. But, but I, uh, and and there are going to be those those people who try to take advantage. Especially with with a uh, with something happening that that, that is this 
huge, but right. But I, uh, yeah, but got to keep I, the keep the eye on the prize, right? I hope they don't steer us toward. I hope that they don't steer us toward a harder lockdown, you know, martial law, and then it's just, you know, then it's just fucking the prison planet, you know. <laughs> then we're just like, yeah, Hunger Games. If 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 this riot has show, shown us anything, I think it's that uh, is is that um, we won't be locked down, you know, you know whether some people some people don't want to get locked down for haircuts, some people don't want to get locked down for racism, but clearly everybody don't want to get locked down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but fuck, man, they they send in they they call state of emergency for any reason. They send in the you know the the national guard or whatever the fuck, and then all rights go out the window. You know, it's like the yeah, yeah. It that that's what's scary. Your 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 fear of that situation. I'm a little more optimistic and feel like feel like I uh, there are just too many people like power to the people people that'll let that happen right, right. and um and uh and and here, here's the thing when they say the wheels of justice grind slowly let me tell you something man the 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 legacy of this country when it comes to african americans started with with uh you know you know literally seizing black lives for the sake of economic growth. And and there have been there have been these growing pains all throughout our, the the history of America. There have been there there have been riots. There was one riot called the Civil War. There 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 were riots in in 1918 there there were riots in in uh in the late sixties, there were riots five years ago on this on the same matter. And the thing is, is that the, these these uh, these moments are get, coming closer and closer together because because the cameras are on now. These aren't just stories that that we uh, that we tell, and it's our word against theirs. Now it's. Now the movie is playing in real time, and either these moments are going to be curtailed because we are going to have to change the way that we see public safety and policing in this country has to has to change in a in a dramatic way, or these things are going to continue to happen because the cameras aren't going away but this but getting to this moment has taken 400 years. And this is this is one of those moments in time where the where the volcano erupts again. And I can only hope that this, that that this explosion, this tectonic movement of people and emotion and culture is a big shift. You know, so that so that when my kids get older, they won't have to be in the street protesting, and they won't have to be holding their camera up, screaming for their their friend, telling them please don't resist, 
and their friend yelling back, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm so scared I can't, I can't help but be tense in this moment. That's what, that's what this is, this is about. And I, and it's going to happen, these things are going to happen again, but we can start to learn to deal with them differently. And maybe after 400 years, it really, it will, it will really start to change. You know, when a volcano erupts and, and, uh, and the lava flow flows over the land, nothing can grow on it for like, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of years, something crazy, you know? I mean, like, like real vegetation and growth. But that growth does happen. So we have to be, we have to steal ourselves for the long haul because my grandfather didn't see it. You know, my father, 72 years old, you know, maybe he'll see it. Maybe maybe I won't see the, the true end of it, but I have to fight for it at this moment so that somewhere down the line, you know, my progeny will say that, that, uh, that over the course of time, we got closer. It was like, you know, Martin Luther King was made, you know, you know, uh, had the civil rights movement made this, made this, you know, these incredible speeches and, and all of this progress was made. And he said, you know, he's looked over and, and seen the promised land. He's seen, you know, seen the, uh, you know, he might not get there, get to the promised land, but he's seen, he's seen what it's like in, in his mind's eye, but it wasn't there yet, you know? And then we elect our first black president. You know, we think that maybe we've, uh, maybe we've, gotten a little bit closer well maybe we've gotten closer but we haven't reached the mountaintop we we were never we were never anywhere close it that that moment was there to show us how far we still need to go and here we are three and a half years after that and we're seeing that that uh, how much further we have to go still this is a, this this is as fast as we may want it to go, this this is this is a lifelong struggle, more than lifelong struggle. This is a struggle of my family and of my people. So, you know, one moment in time and one person's opinion, you know, only means so much to me stopping this movement going forward because we have made so much progress already progress before I was ever born or ever even conceived or thought about. And, uh, and it will go on after I'm gone, but hopefully I will have left it in a place where at least, you know, when a, when a cop pulls someone over that they think to themselves, I need to protect and serve this person because that's my job. I I just hope that, well, I hope a lot of stuff. I hope that your kids and my kids can live in a world where they have the right to, to fucking protest. Hopefully they don't have anything to protest. I, I'm, yeah. I'm just very, yeah. we're, there we're will so. Be something. There will be something, and, you know, but hopefully yeah, it hope, won't be quite this. 
you know, hopefully it won't be quite this. Let me ask you a question. So you, uh, we have, yeah, maybe I got 10 minutes I can squeeze out here. Um, I am just uh, very curious. Um, because of Ezekiel's wheel, you know about Ezekiel's wheel, right? And that there have been no, no, no. Some, Ezekiel's wheel from the Bible. Ezekiel um, was a prophet. Tell me the story of Ezekiel's wheel, uh, wheel, because I don't know this story. He had a vision. I, I, you know, I know it on a, I know it on more of a. Anyway, it's, this is what I know about it. Ezekiel's wheel is that yeah. he had a vision, and, and um, it looked like a lot of people interpret it as um, he saw God riding on a chariot toward him. Uh, although he, the way he describes it is, it sounds like machinery, and it sounds like it's mixed with light. So a lot of people think, oh, okay, so it's a UFO. Uh, some people think it's um, uh, he saw his Merkaba which is, uh, you know, when you have a kundalini experience, uh, some people see in their third eye, um, you know, spiritual machinery. You know what I mean? Right. Um, right. And uh, so so there's many interpretations of what Ezekiel's wheel is. And, and I, you know, you're an artist. You're, you also have, I guess I read you have ADHD. I also have something yeah, yeah. Some, something similar. And I've found that those of us that do have that are often um, able to uh, see through the veil, you know, um, yeah. or sensitive, sense, uh, have extra senses, you know. And um, so I do a part of my show that I have to do with you because I'm just sensing that I'd have to talk to you about this stuff. Um, called Tales from Beyond the Veil, and I was wondering, let's just attack it from this uh, question. When I was in Atlanta, okay. when I was uh, at the Peachtree City Hotel luncheon and dining hall, whatever the fuck that place is, okay. I, I saw um, a UFO when I was there. And okay. I was wondering, I was wondering if your whole life living in Georgia, if you ever saw anything like that? No, I've never seen a UFO. I have never seen a UFO. Um, I don't. I don't doubt UFOs, though. I feel like. I feel like uh, this is this this universe is incredibly vast, and uh, and we are just. I, I mean, we are the, a tiny tiny speck in, in a in an incredibly vast universe and um and i i think it would be kind of crazy to think that we are the only sentient beings out there and not only that but that we are the only sentient beings out there that that uh and we are the most advanced of of all of them you know they they i imagine you know the what what the uh, recorded history of uh of uh of the world is is only you know you know several thousand years tens of thousands of years old you know if if we go you know way back as far as human history is concerned and uh 
you know, just thinking about that, you know, if there's a society that was 100,000 years that that had, you know, 90, what, 30,000, 40,000 years on us, what their technology must be like, what they've uh, been able to do, you know, all of the science fiction stuff that, that, uh, that, that uh, uh, Arthur C. Clarke and Gene Roddenberry, you know, thought of that that um, that have have come into fruition, you know, just in in the short time that uh, that we've uh, we've been, you know, on this planet. Just imagine if we had another fifty thousand years of of, uh, of evolution um, uh, to to come up with more. You know, maybe we will fold time on itself, and they're and they're able to literally, you know touch down in our world and go and, and, uh, and go away. I, I don't, I don't doubt those things happen at all. You know, I'm, uh, I'm excited at the, at the prospect that, uh, that, that maybe one day we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be able to continue to scratch the surface of what all that might be. But, and if you've actually seen one, that's fucking amazing. I wish, I wish I had had that, uh, experience, but, I honestly can't say that I have. Yeah, I was sitting with someone else in the cast, and hopefully she'll come on and we'll talk about <laughs> our experience. Right. Uh, but, yeah, oftentimes I was by myself. Actually, I've seen many UFOs. I've seen some by myself. I've seen some with crowds of people. This one I was with another person. Um, yeah, I was just curious. I'm, I'm also curious uh, – you know, Georgia's a haunted town. I'm wondering if you saw, ever seen any ghosts or anything. Dude, I feel ghosts everywhere. I feel ghosts uh, in, in a lot of places. I absolutely feel ghosts, uh, uh, especially um, in Georgia. Uh, in growing up, um, uh, I, 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 I absolutely feel uh, feel feel a, a spiritual presence. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but, but, uh, but I honestly feel like ghosts, uh, weirdly get calm around me. Like I've, I've been in places that people were like, this place is haunted or that place is haunted. And, uh, maybe it's because I sleep like a rock and, uh, and, and, um, and, uh, and ghosts, uh, tend to be like, you know what? We're not gonna wake this this guy up knocking on this, knocking on that, and and uh, and and <laughs> you know trying to trying to you know uh, acknowledge our presence. So so you know what? We're just gonna relax. You know, we're just gonna relax. And I feel like every time I've been to a place that was that was haunted in one way or another, I have I have felt I have felt a, uh, a presence, but I've also felt a felt a calm. And I. Uh, and uh, I I don't know if that's weird or not, but and I don't want I don't I don't have any uh, way of explaining it or or anything like that. It's just something that uh that that I, I feel. And uh, a, a friend of mine, we were in New Orleans, and uh, and she rented you know this beautiful house, and uh, I was actually staying in a hotel, and uh, she was like she was like Kari, I don't know if I can sleep in this house. It's it's haunted. I feel like it's haunted, and uh, and I was like, I was like, you know what? Say no more. I'm gonna come. T- tell me where the room is that you feel is haunted. 
I went and I slept in that room uh, the, the next night. I talked uh, to the girls. I said, guys, it's all good. Oh, it's all good. Let's just have a, ne- a nice nice night's sleep, you know. Stop. Who, whoever you are, it's all good. Let's just let, let's uh, let's get some rest. I slept like a baby. Woke up the next morning. She said, after that, everything was cool. So Dude. I, I, I don't I don't I don't know how you uh, would you know ascribe that or describe that, but but uh, but I feel like you're the uh, you're the ghost. I feel like ghost like the way I snore. There you go. Okay, hold on. Yeah, I'm the ghost no, of the could. escalator. Exactly. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, he, he, okay, so who knows when The Walking Dead is is going to, you know, come to its uh, finale? But you sure. have a career, you have another career as like a, you know, like a traveling ghost whisperer where you can go to people's houses that are haunted. <laughs> you sleep there and it dampens the aura, and the, the and, and then they're like, thank right you. Now. They pay you lots of money. Just tap it right down. There you go. That's I hope I get to work with you more, it'd be, man. It'd be, you know what? I would. I wouldn't mind. You know. You know, going and and uh, and sleeping in haunted houses for a living. <laughs> there's there's some really beautiful houses that are haunted. So I'm okay. I'm okay with it. I I hope. Uh, I know. I get that. Like you have a very calming energy, man, and you're very in control. You know, it, it seems like you just know. I'm just happy I got to talk to you on the show. You know, I, and I uh, hope I get to. Thank you so much. I hope I get to work with you, um, whether it's like Warner Brothers voiceover stuff or, or more on the show. I don't know how if I I don't know if our characters are going to cross paths for you know where we're headed, but. Um, I hope we do, man. I just, I just, I just think. Dude, so I hope cool. we do too. You know, we always have a good, a, a good time when when we've uh, been able to hang out. The, the few times that we have, and uh, I, I hope that we get that opportunity, man. I think, I think, uh, I think Luke and uh, and Zeke would get along famously. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think he would totally. They're both poetic souls, you know. They're both like yeah, hopeless exactly. romantics. Yeah. Yeah, they really um, are. That is true. I, 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 dude, I could, I could probably keep talking to you for another hour, but my, my wife is telling me I gotta help with the kids. So, um, no, no, I, you, you gotta do that. You gotta do that. I really appreciate you coming on, man. You, you, you bestowed some wisdom, wisdom on me, and I, and the, in these times, we really need to, we need some wisdom, man. And, and um, I'm just trying to glean as much as I can. And uh, sure. there's yeah, a lot going I'm on. To, I'm trying to learn how to. I'm trying to learn how to to uh, to express myself, and uh, in a way that that can make this world a little bit better place. You know, we uh, we all just we all at the end of the day, we want we we want uh, <laughs> we want what the forefinder forefathers uh words intended which is to make make a more perfect union you know to learn to live together you know in liberty and happiness that that's that that's what that's what we're all looking for you know and uh and and we we have to fight 
to to get it. And so we'll continue that fight, man. But brother, thank you, thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate you know the conversation. I think your voice uh, needs to be heard. It needs to be out there. Uh, and I'm going to put this up uh, as soon as possible, man. Um, and uh, well, please let me know when you do, because I because I would definitely um, I would love to broadcast it. I, it will be uh, pretty immediately. <laughs> Just slap an intro right, cool, on cool. it. <laughs> uh, thank you again. Um, and I'm, I'll, uh, I'm, I'll I'll give you a – oh, here she is. She's coming after me. All right, I'm going to give you a, a text just to follow up and and uh, just, you know, uh, love to your family and be safe. And we'll, I'll, I'll, we'll do a follow-up at some point. Yeah, okay. Sounds good. Be well, man. All right. Kiss okay. the family for Thanks me. Take care. All right, All bro. Right. Peace. Bye.